This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. It's been a heck of a week here in Baton Rouge. Politics has been really, really something else. And today on the show, we go inside of a maneuver that just took place in the capital city. It's interesting to watch politics as it works, and when it doesn't work, man, does it cause a splash. What's going on, folks? Clay Young here. Welcome to episode 167 of The Clay Young Show here at podcast225.com, iTunes, and on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Now, most of you have seen and heard what's been going on with the city council here over the last week as we record this show. And I got to admit, when I saw the move by the four council members to abstain from the vote to try to block an appointment to the seat left by Buddy Amoroso, that it was just A, poor timing, and B, I don't think the strategy was fully thought out. I know that the goal was to try to get a 6-6 balance on the Metro Council. But I just think the way that it was that they went about doing it, it just there was just no way it was going to work. Strategically speaking, even if five members of the council decided to not vote to keep there from being a seventh vote so that the governor would have to appoint someone to that seat, I just think there's no way John Bell Edwards, where he is right now, would appoint a Democrat to a majority Republican district knowing what kind of backlash it would cause. And so I wanted to talk with Tyra Wicker, the member of the city council who decided not to join the other block of African-American council members and get her take on what went on behind the scenes, what it was about and the goal, and then kind of talk about what's going to happen next. So she is our guest on this episode of the show, and next week, the show will air on the 17th, Tuesday, in a quick conversation with Trenisha Jackson and Tanya Garofola on the two-year anniversary of the assassination of those police officers here in Baton Rouge. And so that's next week, so just FYI about that. Okay, quick break and then back with Tara Wicker. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your hosts for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of PestStop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. So John, the swarming season for termites is over and some people may assume that the danger is also over. That would be wrong, correct? Correct. Yeah. Termites pose a major problem for homeowners in, in South Louisiana mm-hmm. and it's pretty much year round. It's right. just that during the swarming season, you have an, extra, an opportunity to find out if you actually have an That's right. or not. Mm-hmm. So it's a good warning sign for you. So what do you do then? Well, the first thing you need to do is inspect around the bottom of the slab really thoroughly to see if you see any signs, any mud tunnels coming up the side of the home, uh, any visual activity in in the base of the structure, like you Mm -hmm. actually see the termites, et cetera. And then come see us and we'll talk to you about whether you have an existing problem or not 
because it's two different treatments. Both are soil applications, though. We've had our share of troubles here in Baton Rouge. If I need to get to you to find this, where can I find you? Well, in Baton Rouge, we're located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or if you have questions, just give us a call at 273-4788. Back with Tyra Wicker, who has had an interesting week, but a normal week in a lot of ways. Right. So, and and I talked in the intro about what has been going on in Baton Rouge, and obviously we did lose Buddy Amoroso, who sat on the city council. He is a Mm first-term councilman, and uh, Buddy was tragically killed, and I, I don't like to use the word accident when something uh, seemed to be negligently ridiculous and that yeah. cost him his life and injured another man. Right, right. And there's going to have to be a replacement appointed for his seat. So let's take people through unemotionally the process okay. that that happens or that is triggered when a seat is vacated. All right. So when the, when the seat is vacated, normally what happens is we'll, we'll have um, council meeting or we'll have a, a special council meeting. In this case, we'll have a special council meeting called on um, Thursday because within 20 days there's a requirement mm-hmm. that we actually fill the seat. Which will be the 19th as you are listening to this, exactly. Jan- July 19th. Right. And so we'll have the, the meeting um, and at that time, um, you know, we'll vote as a council to uh, nominate or select someone to fill the unexpired term. Uh, in this case, it will be nine months. Nine because months. at this point um, in March, there will be a, special, an election, a special, special election, election that will that will happen um, with members of that district that they will make a, a, a decision on who's going to fill that seat for the remainder of the term. Which will leave about a year and seven months exactly. until, well, actually the right election. Right Well, yeah, right at about yeah. two, but the election is in 2020. 2020. So, you know, about around a year and a half. Yeah. So then you would appoint someone. Now, before we get to where we are now, there was apparently a discussion mm-hmm. about four members, four African American members of the Metro Council abstaining from the vote to appoint someone in the interim right. so that this would kick up to the governor if there wasn't a, enough votes to be able to do this. Correct. Correct. And the the city was made aware, the state was made aware because it's all over Louisiana of that sometime on Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, correct. What happened? You know, so Tuesday morning, um, there was a press release that went out, and and actually someone from public information, you know, made me aware that there was a press release. And it was really weird because I didn't get the press release, which mm-hmm. is strange. And um, But I was made aware that there was a press release that was being sent out by my four colleagues saying that, um, you know, they were not going to vote for anyone to fill that seat. And, um, and that, that was basically it. They were not going to make any further comment at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I recognize um, the frustration and, 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 you know, their response to um, the fact that, that there's some inequities that are happening in our city. And I've, I've said over and over, you know, would Baton Rouge as a whole benefit from having a six African-American seat? And, I, and I've said, yes, I think that that is something that, can and should happen because for I me, actually believe it. It, it will. If I you look at the population too, trend, the trends, it's going right. to happen. The demographic trends are, 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 are within all the next 10 years. Yeah. But but it, in, in addition to that, I think it allows us for the first time in a very long time to be able to have 
conversations that we simply have not had. And I'll sure. be very honest because there have been times that have said, you know, well, you know, we got seven votes. We don't need your vote kind of thing. And whether it was actually said in words or actions, that's been kind of the attitude of the split decision on the okay. council. But that because it's seven, it's seven, five, seven, five. It is it's five African-American representatives on the council, uh, seven, seven whites. That's mm-hmm. right. So and you need seven votes to yeah. get anything passed. And so there's been sort of this kind of di- di- division and, and conversation and what have you. So having that six African-American seat would allow for conversations to because at that point you really have to go across the, the, the table and mm-hmm. say, hey, look, and convince someone to come to the other side and give them a reason why they should vote. And so I think that that needs to happen. And um, do I and I think the thing for me was um, this vehicle that was chosen to do that, the, the nine month temporary um, uh, filling of buddy seat. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that is how you do that. And the and the abstention is a technical move that says we're not going to vote up or down. We're just not voting. Right. So that there aren't enough votes because you need. Well, you I need mean, eight votes. You need, you, in that place, you you need um, you need seven votes to seven be able votes. to pass it. Yeah. So there were going to be seven votes, regardless, correct? No, wasn't good. Well, no, because you actually, remember, I'm sorry, buddy's not buddy's there. Not there. Right. So you've got six, and then right. So you'd need so, seven. Thank so you. So the goal was is that they would they originally wanted to create a six six you know a six uh, a split because mm-hmm. if I would um, vote along with them. Then that would give them the that would not give them the seventh vote to be right. able to. Right, so it would to, be five six. It would be five six yeah. to, to move it forward, and so at that juncture, it would go to the governor. The governor was it? Did anybody speak to the governor about this? Has I, he even I, released a statement on this? Not that I've seen. Okay. And, and I asked the question: Did anyone have a conversation with the governor? Because his name's being sort of thrown out there yeah. as if he's going to appoint someone that's African American or, yeah. or of dem, a Democrat. He wasn't going to. I, I have a hard time believing he was going to do right. that anyway. And I'm like, how do you do that and put him in that kind of position? without even having the conversation yeah. so for me that was that was just very difficult and I thought understood but I think that the strategy was not um, not well thought out in my opinion and the backlash has been swift and aggressive and all those things and look I don't make it a practice of getting to name calling or, or any kind of personal right. attacks here I haven't done it in a hundred and almost 70 episodes and this won't this won't be the first time however the reaction to this, as I mentioned, has been so aggressive and swift. What has been your reaction to the reaction? I think that what what's happened is um, I don't give, you know, because it's been so much negative, and there are people out in the community that thrive on the negativity, right? And so my reaction to the reaction is just to remain positive. So you don't get into the name calling. You don't get into you know, what, what somebody's um, beliefs are and things of that sort, because there are, there are people with positions on both sides, mm-hmm. people that believe that this was an opportunity to mm-hmm. right or wrong. And, and people that believe that this was just, a, um, you know, a spit in, in the Amoroso, in the face of the Amoroso family. I got to admit the timing was awful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The timing is awful. And if you were, if you are looking strategically at this, there was no win in it no the timing prohibited any win even if the discussion is about how to best create a scenario where there is more dialogue and more ability to work together in this scenario yeah it it wasn't going to happen i do think over the nine month period though there could have been some discussion about how this goes and 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 through the way that the council chose to vote on whomever uh, the candidates who are nominated were right. There's there were lots of ways 
to start a conversation right. to address some things that people may have a problem that, that with. That would end up in something that would be productive and longstanding. And yeah. here's my here's my, my my larger issue is the real person that, in my opinion, was hurt the most in my in, in this to me was Denise. Have you spoken to her I about did. this? I, I spoke with her on yesterday, and she is she is just very very strong because I probably would not be as strong, but she's been very strong. And she called me yesterday, and she told me. You know, just how much she appreciates me and, and appreciated me being there at the funeral because I had an opportunity to stand with Denise when the um, honor guard came in when they were ending and getting ready to go to um, Buddy's burial. And, and that was a tough moment for her. So I was there with her and Buddy's mom and his sister. Mm-hmm. And I held Denise's hand as she, you know, just had a really tough time with that final salute sure. to Buddy. Sure. And we had a conversation, not necessarily about anything else, but I knew that she had had an interest. And she told me, she said, I'm, I'm actively praying about what I'm going to do. And so she called me on yesterday and she told me, she said, Tara, she said, I've made a decision that I think this is what Buddy would want me to do. I mm-hmm. do want his memory um, um, in a, in a, um, upheld in a very good way. And she said, and, and I'm going to go ahead and go after the seat. And so my thing is, this, I, I, my heart goes out to her because I'm not sure that she's really had an opportunity to even exhale grieve. long enough to grieve yeah. for her husband. Yeah, and that's the other thing about her doing this is is really, and, and I, I only knew Buddy a little bit yeah. from interaction. I don't know her at all. Right. And my only hope and wish is, you know, as she's got children and grandchildren who have suffered this abrupt loss and that they can, they can be well, but I don't have the right to tell her what to do nor judge whatever she does. I think she probably is most likely trying to honor him. The, did you and she, is there anything you can share that is not, that is not outside of the confidence of what you talked about, about her reaction to this whole thing? Did she say anything to you about it? You know, and and that's what's, like I said, I think she's just been very strong. She never even mentioned it. She never mentioned it. She just told me she was very factual. She said, you know, when we in our first response, she told me that she was actively praying about it. Mm-hmm. And then in, in her conversation on yesterday, she never mentioned I, I you know, I apologize just mm-hmm. because of I knew that what she was going through. Sure. But she never mentioned it. Clay. The the response to this in the public has been stiff along racial lines. Yeah. So this is a multi-layered thing I want to get into with you. Uh, First, with with you personally, there have been people who have been going after you and talking about you and questioning your commitment to black constituents in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And it's been it's been really, really stiff. Yeah. And so before I move to anything else, what is your response to people who are saying that you are in, you are slapping black voters in the face, and you don't care about black voters in this community, black people in this community yeah. by this stance. I, I think that there could not be, and I and I know um, just from who I am, nothing any further than the truth. Um, you know, and I and I don't normally listen to the negativity, but because of the magnitude and the seriousness of this, I, I did take a moment to listen to one of the posts and I was listening for sort of where's the, where's the, the substance to mm-hmm. all of this. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there was no rhyme or reason other than the fact that, well, Buddy had done it in 2016. And so if he did it, then why shouldn't we have the opportunity to do it? And so in my, in my mind, I'm like, 
when has ever two wrongs equaled a right? So, so if it was wrong for, for that to happen then, why is it not still wrong for it to happen now? And so you can't go back and forth saying, well, you did it to me, so I'm going to do it to you. To me, that's, that's no reason why you should do something that's not the right thing. And, and I don't, Clay, that's me. I don't do the black thing. I don't do the white thing. I just do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that have you heard from black constituents of yours and around the city about this? I have. I, I've everyone, and I'm gonna be very honest, other than the people that apparently are in a different circle, uh, that people say you gotta kind of hear this, um, everybody that has been calling me, and it's literally been just as many black people as it has been white people mm-hmm. that have called me. I've had Democrats to call, mm-hmm. I've had Republicans to call, literally everybody that's calling me say, is saying, Thank you so much for just standing up and doing the right thing. I had one one guy, one African American male that called me and he said, he said, I just want you to know this. He said, I pointed to you to my grandchildren and I told them that that's the example of how do you do the right thing for the right reason. Wow. And I think that in my that for me was like, you know, whatever everybody else is saying about me and what I am and what I'm not. At the end of the day, my track record speaks for itself. Yeah. I live in an urban community. I yeah. live in the same house I, sure. I I grew up in when I was a kid, and that is in the core yeah. where there's a lot of disparity sure. that's happening, but that doesn't change who I am as a person. I think one of the problems, in my opinion, this is me speaking, not not Tyra, one of the, one of the problems is... I get that there are people who thought that this was a good idea and wanted to do this for whatever reasons that they had for it. And I don't have a right to tell people about what political positions to take and and what maneuvers to do. I mean, this is America. Right. But some of the rhetoric Mm -hmm. in your direction and some uh, it's. Like, come on, man, we better than that. And, and, and I think that we can disagree and get fired up and say, okay, well what's next? But, I don't think that you can I don't think that you can call for one thing. Well, let me just leave it alone. Well, can, can, I, can I respond yeah. to that? Yeah, because I had someone uh, in, in a post I saw that that someone was saying, call Tara Wicker's office and, you know, ask her to stand with the Democrats. And, and you know, and, and, and um, do I think what that part is in bounds asking you about, calling you about party stuff. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And and, and exact and, you know, call, call call her and tell her that she should, you know, do what's what's best. And of course, in my opinion, in my mind, I am doing exactly that. But I thought it was interesting because they were telling them to call in an attempt to tell me that I was, you know, wrong and I needed to change and I needed to do this. And, you know, I'm, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, at, at the end of the day, we've got to be able to um, tell people and educate people on the, on the truth. And so I'm sitting here thinking, yes, please call me. Please call me because I want oh, to have you the want opera- the cause. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, because I, I want to tell I want to tell people like let's think through this because yeah. I, I you know it's it's real easy to have a yeah. knee jerk response to yeah. something, but have we sat down and talked about the reality of this on the other side? Sure. And most people are not getting that. So yeah, call me so we can talk. Racially in Baton Rouge right now, man, I don't even know what word I would use to put on where we are. And I, I really wish we could just talk to one another and, and then just listen to one another. And I'm not, I'm not being a Pollyanna. Look, there's some, stu- there's some tough conversations that you have to have about things. But unless you have them, you can never resolve them. But 
I know this. If somebody wants me to come into a conversation and they swing at me, chances are we're probably not going to have, have a civil dialogue. Nah, and, nah. and I think on both sides of this, and I just I would encourage everybody to just chill out a little bit. And, and I'm going to say this, too. I think that while I disagree with the timing and the necessary tactic being used uh, by your four colleagues on the council, I don't think it was the right thing to do it at the right time. I do think on the side of the people who disagree, there are still lines there that you can't cross in criticizing, criticizing the group as well, because I have heard some stuff that also mm. borders on being out of bounds, too. Yeah, just absolutely horrible. And so, you know, as a community, I think the... The overwhelming response that I've gotten is that people are simply tired of the divide. They're yeah. tired, and every time that that we have an opportunity to build a bridge, you know, somebody comes in with an explosion and tears it back <laughs> down. And you know, at some point, we've got to. There's there's more individuals out there in the community that believe that, you know, um, together we're better. Sure. And it's, can I say this is so weird? Because when I ran for office in 2000, when campaigning in 2008 took office in 2009. Do you know that my campaign slogan was together we're better? Wow. Way back then, before it was sort of the, the, the best. This. Tara, Tara Wicker had that. You can look at my green and white signs. <laughs> you know, so get, working together, we're better. That's been from the very beginning. And so, you know, I talked about my, my favorite little story now where, you know, Bluebell Ice Cream was ha having that issue where that blended family. And, and to me, Baton Rouge is just that. You know, we, we are a blended family mm -hmm. and, and we're made up of all kinds of people. And so those conversations are not always easy, but they're necessary. But yeah. when those kids looked at that ice cream and they saw the brown side and the white side and they said, you know, change this name to not the great divide, but better together. Right, right. We, we're going to be a swirl. And, you know, that's what I think is going to change the tone, Clay, of our community. People are ready to work together to move forward. When you, when you alerted the... Um, the group that you would not be with them. What was the, what was the response? I think you know the response was you know, um, you know, sort of a, a convincing of you know this is this is the opportunity we need to we need to do this. Um, nobody said anything when it was done before. We need to take advantage of this opportunity. And and you know my response was this. I understand where the idea is, is that there needs to be some changes, but can you please tell me in, in your heart of hearts, where is this vehicle? Where is this time and this yeah. V opportunity? Because I said, you know, the, and I can't, people get mad at me because I say the word of God. That's just who I am. I mean, I'm a pastor's wife. Y'all got, you know, just understand <laughs> that that's foundational for me. But the word of God says, shout out to Mike. do unto others yeah. as you would have them to do unto you. It also sure. says a house divided among itself can't stand. Yeah. So if, if I pass away in office, Clay, I would want the opportunity for that short period of time for Mike to continue mm -hmm. that legacy and, and, and get it to a point where whoever that next person in that office has a, an opportunity to move on with it. But if I want that for me, why would I want that for somebody else? My my thing is everybody just take a breath. Yeah. I think what, in my opinion, I think what you did was the right thing. I, I don't think that you were either being divisive or in any way trying to hurt anybody one way or the other. I, I, I just think for me it would have been, we no, this, no. Right. And now that it's done, you still have the issue of a budget that's coming up. That's right. A police pay issue that's coming up. That's right. We've got these initiatives on the ballot this fall that's coming up. Yes. The uh, impending vote on whether or not the St. George issue will be on the ballot this fall. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is real, real 
work. Yes, yes, yes. There's a lot that's going on that we're going to have to be able to to tackle. We still are, are still dealing with even now, you know, recovery issues sure. and, and drainage and transportation. And so there are a lot of things that as a community, we've got to be able to, to focus in on and be able to come together and work to make sure that the job of city government, taking care of the health, the safety and the welfare of our citizens is done. Mm-hmm. And and we've got to buckle, buckle up our seatbelts and, and take this ride and take this ride together because if not we're, we're stuck in the mud i i do not want to see people leaving baton rouge because over and over they feel like we just can't get it together yeah. and whether we like it or not we are seen as as leaders that's what and i got calls from we're all leaders. over people yeah. asking me what is going on over there i mean if i'm looking to invest in the city and yeah. move to baton rouge and i'm seeing this turmoil why would i want to bring my kids why would i want to bring my business we've got to change that that narrative so where does this leave you now i think it um it leaves me exactly where i've always been um you know being raised by, you know, Joan Tolman Smith, who didn't give you the option to do anything wrong. I'm more afraid of my mom than I am anybody <laughs> else, just to be honest. And, you know, when even when I worked in Mayor Simpson's office, and mom knew I had an affinity for, for political things. And, you know, she told me, she said, honey, she said, there are going to be times. And it's weird because now, mama told me that years ago, Clay, mm-hmm. many years ago. But now I'm seeing it evident in my life. And she told me, mm-hmm. she said, there are going to be times that you're going to have to stand alone. Yeah. She said, no, but no matter if you stand alone, she said, you always stand for what's right, even if you have to stand alone. Right. And that's that's where I am. So I'm I'm exactly where I've always been. So, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot with this. Okay. If you had the opportunity, and as luck would have it, you do, to address the people who are so angry with you about the position that you took on this and you could speak from your heart to them, what would you say? I would say that um, as a community of people that absolutely love our city, which I believe people that are passionate about issues and that have invested their time and their resources and their life to be a part of the Baton Rouge family, Mm -hmm. that's what we are, I think that, you know, I would tell them families always have differences, but, you know, I, I love the, the quote that I've never met a person I didn't like once I heard their story. And mm. so sitting down and having a conversation about what our beliefs are, how do we realistically strategize, Clay, mm-hmm. um, on both sides of the table? I'm sure. a firm believer of leverage. I'm a firm believer of partnerships. Mm -hmm. And so I can't have a conversation with you or move forward if I'm not even willing to be at the table to talk to you. Yeah. And so that's my, you know, part of my conversation. You know, we we had that that issue with the community police ambassadors, you know, Mm -hmm. and and part of that process was not just talking about police, but was talking about race. So we're doing that. Let's get real race talk. It's going to be real interesting to have a talk about real issues that. Most families, black and white, have conversations about each other behind the door. Oh, yeah. But they don't ever have that conversation to together. each other. So yeah. we're going to force yeah. that conversation. Yeah. And, and in the words of my son, you know, Magnus Wicker, he went to the park to play with the kids. And, and I said, baby, where, who, where, who'd you play with? He said, oh, with some kids at the park. They were really great kids. We had fun. And I looked at him. I said, well, Magnus, I said, well, what'd they look like? And he looked at me with the strangest look on his face, Clay. And he said, well, mama, they... They look human, like me. (laughs) Magnus taught me a lesson. And it taught me two things. Number one, I was proud because apparently I had not taught my baby to look at color. I taught him to look at people. But in the same tone, it taught me a lesson about, you know, why does that even matter, right? Right. He's just playing with people. He's playing with kids. It really does come back to there is no way to reverse 
treating others the way you want to be treated to hate, right? Yes. It's, it's, there's just no way to turn that thing around. And quite frankly, anybody, and there are people, there are people who, who are just, and I know you're a pastor's wife. They're just, there's some people are rotten mm. because they choose to be. Yeah. But I don't think that's the majority of people. No. And I think in this thing, I think this too shall pass. The the heat and the passion over this, this week, it's going to die down. Something else will come along. I think this was poorly planned out. Mm-hmm. It was not a very good strategy. It's it's very close to the death of this man. And, yes. and you just, there was no way that this was going to work. Yeah. But you, but you know, it reminds me of a, of a situation that we were in earlier where it forced us again to have conversations that were uncomfortable conversations that we just Which weren't I think prepared is for. I think and that part's yeah, healthy. Because I think this is where we grow. Yeah. If we sit around and we yeah. walk on eggshells and we pretend sure. like everything is well, we sure. don't grow as a community. And this is that opportunity to do that. And spending so much time, and that's why I don't get a whole lot into you know, where this came from. I don't think the strategy was smart. I don't think it was it was well-planned only because this outcome is a predictable one. Yeah. If we had talked about this in a hypothetical scenario, I would have said, oh, there's no way. There's no Even way. if the shoe were on the other foot, it's like, nah, there's just no way. There's no way you can do this. There's nothing good that can come out of that. Someone got killed, and then, you know, five days after they're put in the ground, we're going to win, and there's just no way this was going to work. You know, and I had the conversation with Denise at Buddy's funeral. And so that's another thing about when you give someone your word about something, and that's just who I am. I talked to Denise, and, you know, and I, I assumed that I was very respectful of not trying to have political conversation sure. at her husband's funeral. But, you know, she brought it up to me, and I told her, I said, Denise, I said, I think that um, you would be really good. Because I had no inkling no idea that any of this would occur and Mm. so at the funeral I told Denise that I thought that she would do a good job and I would support her so that that to me was done at the funeral yeah so everything else that happened after that was was a surprise because I didn't realize it because nobody had a conversation with me until that Monday and then the, the press release came out on Tuesday but for me the decision was made Friday so we now know that she is considering yes the seat yes and there was a statement released five hours after the well maybe it was longer than five hours but the heat got turned up around five o'clock and by by the 10 o'clock news there was a a statement released saying now that everyone was aware that Denise Amoroso was going to consider this that they would revisit it after talking with her right I suspect and and I'm not going to predict that she's absolutely going to do this that lady could have at any point because of What's going on? Say mm-hmm. she could say, you know, I don't want to do this. Right. But if she does, I suspect she is likely to get a near unanimous vote. Yes, that that would be, in my opinion, I think the 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 best outcome for this yeah. situation is that everybody has an opportunity in something that has been so so divided, so um, heated mm-hmm. that the council is able to come together. My fear was, oh my Lord, are we really about to ask the governor of the state of Louisiana to fill a council seat? I'm pretty sure John Bell was not in a good place when he was I'm, I'm pretty made sure a prize of, of this thing. He's like, you want me to do what? Right. So now I, and I think, but I, I will say this, and I know people may think I'm crazy, for, well, people think I'm crazy for a lot of things. This is another <laughs> reason to think I'm crazy. Me too. I think this pre- presents an opportunity, though, for things to be better. 
I that just, may sound crazy, right? I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that it, 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 it forces the conversation that's happening sort of in the, you know, in the back rooms, right. at, the, at the dining table right, and right. in restaurants or whatever to the forefront. Sure. And so people are having these uncomfortable conversations about why is Baton Rouge the way it is. And, sure. how, and not only why is it the way it is, but, okay, all that's great and fine. This is who we are. This is what's going on. But how do we use this as a building bl- brick mm-hmm. to build to make it better? Yeah. And how do we build those bridges? And so I think that the outcome of it is going to be whether we like the process and the journey. Sure. You know, any growth is 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 painful sometimes. Right. And I think this is going to be one of those times that we're going to grow. Does present an opportunity to say, okay, what are we going to do to grow from here? That's Because right. I think we can. You can't just keep looking behind you. Yeah. That's happened. Tuesday happened. Friday's coming. You know, uh, do you know John Daniel? Yes, I do. John Daniel says, talk, we talk about in, in martial arts lingo, and he's like, you know, if, if you swing at me, it doesn't really what happen, matter what happens, sunlight, moonlight, tonight, tomorrow, that other kick is coming. And that's the same thing about tomorrow. Wow. It doesn't really matter what happens to us in the moment right now. Yeah. Tomorrow's coming. That's right. Whether you're here or not. That's right. That's right. And so what are you going to do about it when it gets here? You know, and, and here's my thing. At some point, I, I'm a firm believer Clay, that we have to be able to get to a point where we, if we're going to teach our kids, just like Magnus, that we don't see people for the color of their skin. Yeah. But As we Dr. Actually, King said. Yeah, we look at their heart. Yeah. What's in your heart? What's the content of your character? The content of your character. What's in your heart? Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm believing that that dream to me is still alive. I think that it's still possible and it's attainable. As long as we are alive, there is always potential for something bad and something good. That's right. It's just the truth. That's right. It's never impossible as long as we have a chance to try. And I just think it this presents an opportunity. And again, everybody tamp down the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Chillax. <laughs> Chillax. Okay. Chillax. Tomorrow's coming. Yeah. The vote's coming next week. Right. And my encouragement to people who want to come to this to be heard. Right. My my encouragement is come. Say what you have to say from the prism of how can we be better? Yes, because at the end of the day, just like you said, in a few months, we have some some real issues that affect all of us. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, and, and at the end of the day, when you peel all the layers back of all of our differences, Clay, you know, the truth of the matter is, is everybody wants a good quality of life for their Absolutely. children and their family. People want to be able to have a community that's safe. They want to be able to, to, to understand and make sure that we have infrastructure so that when they only see good infrastructure mm-hmm. when they go to other cities and then they come back home and they're all discouraged and oh like, why am I even here? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. So we, we got some real issues that we've got to be able to sit down and address so that we can retain our citizens, so that we can encourage our young people mm-hmm. not to only be educated here. Yeah. I mean, we are the brain capital, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so how do we retain them here, help them find quality jobs, connect the dots? There's so many positive things going on, and we need to be able to focus in and fix those as well as make sure that we are addressing the, the disparity. The race thing is just, it, it's frustrating, and I don't think we deal with it, and I think you're right. Because when when an issue of where, where a zoo is going to be becomes an Alabama bus boycott <laughs> style conversation, and it's just, okay, man. We are not treating the sickness. We keep flirting with the symptoms and we just have to sit and talk to one another. And here's mm. here's one of the first things I think mm. that you got to I think we have to come to. And I'll just say this and I'll leave this alone because it's soapbox crap and nobody wants to hear it. But you're listening to the podcast. Yeah. We don't always have to agree. That's right. It's That's OK right. to disagree. That's right. 
And it doesn't mean that I'm good or you're bad or vice versa. We just disagree. But, but, but Clay, wouldn't you agree that it's probably easier to deal with the symptoms than the root? And, and let me tell oh, you no. what I'm saying. It's easier it's to a, do that. It's a, whole than, easy, yeah. it's a whole lot yeah. easier for me yeah. just to, you know, yeah. take a Tylenol and, and deal with the pain as opposed to recognizing that, you know, I got something much deeper that I really <laughs> right. need to go to the doctor right. and get carved out. I'm and, shoving and, M&Ms and, into my head you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, by the and, handfuls. And, and have surgery. Right, right. And to me, the economic yeah. question is yeah. the surgery. Absolutely. Right? So the race thing, it becomes, we're just yeah. treating the symptoms. It's yeah. real easy for me to see, you know, black versus white. Sure. And because that's tangible. I can sure. see that. But what I can't, what, what's a harder conversation is let's talk about why the disparities sure. exist, where they exist. The schools, and get down the jobs. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. a much harder conversation that takes more of me having to get into your space mm-hmm. on both sides yeah. that people are not really comfortable with, but we got to do it. Well, apparently you have the wheel now, so <laughs> we'll see what's going on on yeah, the night. I won't say that because my husband would be so mad, but you know, I had somebody that, that said once, you've got the wheel, you better drive right. And so, you know, and, and, and that's whenever, whenever, but all yeah. of us at one point in our lives, right? Yeah. God's given us an opportunity sure, to drive the sure. wheel. You drive the wheel every time that you do this podcast. Every, and, and, every time. Whatever, yeah. whatever position that God's giving you at that moment, whatever platform it is, yeah. you know, it's your job and your responsibility to make the best of it and use it as an opportunity to bring people together and not divide and not be selfish in it. July 19th, this thing is going to go down, and I encourage people who want to be heard, hey, show up, pack the council chamber, but let's go there with some solutions and just chillax. (laughs) Chillax, go there, say what you have to say. Don't be throwing bombs. Tell me the last time that accomplished something. I'll wait. Yeah. Mm. Well, there you go. There's crickets. (laughs) Thank you, Tyra. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's always so much fun coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Executive Tone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for the 40 years. Executive Tone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executive Tone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money. That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. And now, today's Manners Minute. My father-in-law was a World War II veteran who seldom talked about his time in the Army. Occasionally, he mentioned an old buddy who called when he passed through town. Never did he share the details of the Battle of the Bulge, Adolf Hitler's vicious attempt at dividing the Allied troops in December of 1944. He was there, on the ground, as part of a logistics unit, supplying his fellow soldiers with weaponry. For Wilbur Adolphus, His time in the Army wasn't heroic, but a fulfillment of his duty to his country. Like so many men of his era, they served out of love for America. They fought to defend freedom from those who sought to take it away. How can we thank the men and women of the military who gave so much for us? We can choose respect and love our country as much as they did. 
Visit hashtag BRRespect at mannersoftheheart.org to join the movement and sign the pledge. With respect, Baton Rouge thrives. Politics, politics, politics. Now, very rarely is it fun. <laughs> it's sometimes fun to watch, but on the inside of it, man. And so there you have it. We'll see what happens on the 19th. And I said it before and I'll say it again. I think anybody who wants to speak on this issue should go there and should have their voice heard. Just chill, folks. Creating a spectacle, and, and especially when you think about why we're doing this, it's not cool. It wouldn't be cool either way. Just one man's opinion. All right, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR on Facebook forward slash ClayYoung. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, you can email me. The email address is clay at podcast225.com. Until next week, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.